This is the Vidya Group Podcast. Welcome to episode number four of the Vidya Podcast. I'm Acharya, your host, and today we're going to be concluding our series on the Green Revolution. So what is the ideal Vedic policy in terms of food production and population growth? Well, science has proven the Vedic model as supreme when we look at various types of modeling software like World 3 and some of the later iterations of that model. Basically, the best case scenario for the maximum longevity and sustainability of the largest number of people on this planet is going to be when you have zero or close to zero as far as possible use of non-renewable resources, which affects the persistent pollution component in the calculations. Keeping pollution down and the use of non-renewables down as far as possible is going to give you the maximum sustained population rate, which comes in, again, around you know, a billion people until the year 2400 when the population starts to go down for whatever reasons. But the Vedic principle and the nature of this world, the way it's designed through photosynthesis is to carry the carrying capacity of the earth is around a billion to two billion people. Um, so what type of policy should we adopt? We should simply adopt the policy that's given in Ishopanishad, in the Vedas itself. So we can, we can take a look at that. What does it say? So this is from the Sri Ishopanishad, text number one that says, Ishavasyamidam sarvam yatkin chajagatam jagat tena chak tena bunjita magrihad kasyaswiddhanam Everything animate or inanimate within the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for himself, which are set aside as his quota, 
and one should not accept other things knowing well to whom they belong. So this is a very strong case for subsistence farming, for example. Um, subsistence everything, subsistence mining, subsistence production, whatever you need, you take those resources and utilize them for your basic needs and the rest, you leave it alone. You don't touch it, you don't exploit it because you know who it belongs to and you have a quote. So this economic system of quotas is the way forward for regulating the exploitation of the material energy on this planet. And that's going to keep us at an optimal level of sustainability. Right? If we just take what we need. So the point is that in the Vedic knowledge, you have a system of quotas where everybody has a quota, right? There's a set aside of resources that everyone needs for their maintenance and for performing their duties, their prescribed duties. So you have prescribed duties on one hand, and you have quotas on the other hand, and that is the regulating function that should set our policy to meet the needs of human society, right? Not to meet the greed of XYZ capitalists, corporations, what have you, so they can have Learjets and all that kind of stuff. So we're not saying, you know, there, there cannot be wealthy people and there cannot be some level of opulence and all that at the same time. So it's a question of accepting your quota. So by performing your duty and accepting your quota, if you can realize some opulence from that, then, of course, that's your quota, isn't it? So it's not a principle against wealth. It's not a principle against opulence, even. It's a principle of regulation. So the Lord has created the universe. He's created this planet. He's created human society and all the species. And he's given prescribed duties for the different stakeholders in the society, in the Vedic society. And he's given quotas for each of those stakeholders, which are different. It's, your quota is different according to your function in societies. So you have the four divisions, the intellectuals, the administrative class, the productive agricultural business class, and then you have the labor class. So each of those four types of stakeholders in the society has a quota based on their function, what they need to do their work, to do, perform their function. 
So that is the regulating principle. And if we stick to that, then we are in an optimal position for all good things for human society and for the earth, which is the material welfare and spiritual good of human society. And that's what we're here for. We're here for ultimately self-realization, for spiritual realization, for self-inquiry, right? That's the unique function of human society, which we don't see in any other species of life. 8,400,000 species of life described in the Vedic scriptures. And the humans have this unique function, which is not found in other species. So for the purpose of self-realization, for developing love for God, reestablishing our relationship with the Supreme Lord, if we follow the system, which is called Varnashram Dharma, the system of prescribed duties and quotas, we will be in an optimal position to sustain human life on this planet indefinitely into the future. And the modern scientific models support that. Which is to live on photosynthesis, renewable energy, on the land, the cows, seeds, rain, water, and so forth, without unnecessarily exploiting the resources that we don't need because what happens is, according to the model, the modern scientific model, is that persistent pollution will increase. And what is persistent pollution? Persistent pollution is basically taking things from below the earth. And that's where all this comes from, right? Geology and petrochemical industry and the chemical industry is basically taking things that are underground mining chemicals and petroleum distillates and things like that and bringing them above ground and then burning them and putting them into the air, right? That's called pollution, polluting the air, the land, and the water, right? Arsenic poisoning, you have, you know, all types of poisons that are found under the earth. So, Dharma means the things that are under the earth should remain under the earth. Right? And the things that are above, you know, the earth, that's what we should utilize. We should utilize plants and trees and animals and sunlight and air and water and all those things. So the things that are below the earth that should remain there. Why should we dig up all those poisons and then burn them and put them into the atmosphere or dump them into the land and so forth and the water and so forth? So this is the Vedic policy. This is the vidya of sustaining human society indefinitely into the future on this planet. Some of the other costs of the Green Revolution have been realized in recent years as the benefits and gains of the inputs 
of the mechanical and chemical inputs of the agricultural process have begun to show diminishing returns to farmers. For example, in the terms of irrigation, farmers have had to dig deeper and deeper to get water out of the wells, causing them to go into high interest paying debts because banks would no longer finance them. So some farmers are paying like 24% interest on loans for bigger and bigger pumps to get water on their crops. As the water tables in Punjab areas, for example, are dropping at a rate of over three feet per year. And sometimes they hit brackish water and salt destroys the crops as well. Um, another problem they're facing is with fertilizers. The fertilizers no longer function as they used to, and now they have to apply three times the amount of fertilizer that they used to have to provide, which is destroying the soil and causing anemic soil. Same thing with pesticides. Uh, one or two applications of pesticides on the crops per per growing season used to be effective. Now the pests have become resistant to those and they have to sometimes do 12 applications of pesticide as opposed to one or two. So the costs for farmers are going up. The methods are entering into the realm of diminishing returns. And we have to look at why the government continues to subsidize these different methods these different agricultural inputs that are clearly are not sustainable and are not working for farmers. So we have this vicious cycle, this vicious economic cycle started by the Green Revolution um, that's actually putting farmers into extreme debt. Um, for the most part, you know, they get money in the beginning of the Green Revolution. They started making more money, and then they got loans for building their homes and for buying tractors and satellite systems and all different types of things. And now they're in debt up to their nose. And many farmers, as a result of all these forces and pressures and stresses from the Green Revolution, unfortunately have resorted to suicide. And I think everybody has seen the headlines in that regard. So we need a solution. We need a second green revolution that's actually sustainable. And I believe if we look at the Vedic policies, the, the science of Vidya for agriculture and cow protection, Krishi Gorakshavana Gyam, I think that's where we're going to find our solutions. And Hopefully we can get away from this destructive cycle and we can get back on track to sustainable agriculture and cow protection. Thank you for joining the Vidya Group podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. You can also subscribe to our Vidya Group blog at vidyagroup.ml where you will find our podcast, Twitter, and YouTube subscription links. This is the Vidya Group Podcast.